Hey, and welcome in to episode 23 here of the Grind on Sports. I know it's been it's been a few months, taking a little hiatus from new uh, content here, but really high school football, little league football, and just the daytime grind, the real job, uh, kind of took a little precedent there for a little while, but we're back and excited to talk about a lot of good stuff today, uh, tonight. I'm uh, going to talk a little NIL, going to talk uh, National Signing Day, and of course talk bowl season as Tennessee's getting ready for their bowl game against Iowa, but ultimately a lot of the smaller bowls taking place these last few days and in the coming weeks. So bring in right now, Mr. Ben Metz. Ben, it's been a minute. I see you on the daily basis, but uh, nice to get you back on camera. Yeah, I was about to say for our listeners, we hang out on a daily basis and we talk through all these uh, sports drama situations regularly. So uh, it's nice to put a podcast together after we get through football season. So we're looking forward to share with you all uh, some of our thoughts throughout the upcoming seasons. Yeah, I really thought about, you know, I think what the thing that is missing, well, there's there's situations that probably don't need to be caught on camera. But, uh, you know, we if we just get GoPros and put them on our shoulder, kind of like good, good evil, you know, good devil, bad devil thing. Uh, I think uh, we'd get a lot of this content already out of the way. But anyway, um, but Ben, it's it's been a wild and crazy fall. Obviously, Tennessee uh, didn't necessarily have the year that I, I think we wanted to see or thought that could have happened. Uh, a lot of different reasons why that, that may have been. But ultimately, today, National Signing Day or Early Signing Day, Tennessee adds about 24 uh, new faces to Tennessee football. A lot of those, I think about 15 of those already on campus practicing with the team during bowl preparation. Huge for this football team to kind of hit the reset button, hand it off to this 2024 uh, version of the Tennessee Volunteers and see what we can do with it. Yeah, the number eight, uh, arguably the number eight recruiting class in the SEC, number 13. And again, it's early signing day, so those numbers could adjust. And depending on what magazine you read, it might be a little bit higher. Um, Overall, when you look at the 21 commitments that came through today, we fill a lot of uh, position gaps uh, throughout the roster on offense, defense, special teams. Uh, Very pleased as a Tennessee fan with uh, who we picked up. Yeah, I – I uh, I was talking to you off the air, and and I've listened to a lot of shows today. I've listened to a lot of outlets give their take on our signing class, and there's been kind of mixed reviews. I mean, I think it's it's been nice to land a few of these players from the portal. Uh, some of these five star guys, obviously, it's hard to argue with those. But there's a lot of people that are questioning our uh, ability or lack thereof to kind of close the deal on some of the big guys. I just go back to it. Um, and I always say, you either trust him or you don't. And right now, I trust Josh Heupel. I think he's got the keys to the Cadillac, and I was fully ready to ride with him when Hendon Hooker and that group was was taking us to 10-2 and and then winning a big-time bowl game. I'm going to ride with him when he's 8-4 and and retooling this thing after, let's just face it, a, a failed project in Joe Milton. I mean, I think that's what that is. Athletically, everything was in place and it just didn't, it didn't come to fruition. Is that, 
Is that a byproduct of Jalen Hyatt leaving for the NFL early? Is it a byproduct of Cooper Mays being hurt for the first five weeks and really us struggling through those? I, I think you can put your uh, the thumb putting your thumb on what the problem was or is uh, is, is very difficult. But uh, I like I like what he's doing here uh, in the movie Miracle. I can't the the name of the head coach escapes me, but but. Uh, uh, Kurt Russell was the, the actor that played him in the movie. And he says, we're not looking for the best players. We're looking for the right players. And I think if Josh Heupel gets the right players for his system, uh, for his coaches and the culture that is Tennessee football, then I think it's all, all, all going to be fine. I mean, how many people have we talked about? Uh, I can think of all SEC players and all Americans that didn't come to Tennessee as five-star athletes. Right. Yeah. And Wayne, you and I, uh, as much as we love the university of Tennessee, I think as a fan base, when we had that, when we achieved that 10 and 2 record under Josh Heupel in his second year, we all started guzzling that orange Kool Aid. You know, we started chugging that stuff. I mean, more than we already do. I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, we come back, yeah. And, and we come back and we have this season. And, and this is one of those seasons that didn't turn out the way we wanted it to turn out an eight and four season. And, uh, we haven't sobered up from that orange Kool-Aid. You know, we, we're still we're still sipping on it in the mornings and we're still a little bit hungover in the afternoons. Yeah. And and I think we have to, you know, you and I are gonna go over it in today's show. I think we have to put things into perspective as far as the gaps by position group, the players that are returning versus the players that are leaving. Look, you know, just to start off, you look at defensive back, Wayne. We had a lot of defensive backs that hit the portal, left the football team. And in my opinion, I think it's a good change. We were terrible in that position group this season. And the first well, think- six, 652 this morning, the Oregon State cornerback transfer, Jermod McCoy, was the first commitment this morning. Oh, yeah. I think, I think, I don't know that culturally we would have said this, but I think the writing was on the wall. We can either leave and it looks like we're trying to better ourselves or they're going to recruit over us and we're going to sit on the bench next year. Right. I mean, I just think that's it. I, I, I don't – that's no ill will towards any of those players. I would argue that that was the case for maybe Danico Slaughter or McDonald. Uh, but, you know, at the same rate, um, that looked to be the position group that, that felt the biggest um, – target on their back as far as being replaced I, i'll have to say this but but going back to the eight and four uh I, i'll tell you this i'm i'm really good at keeping receipts ask anybody who's ever been one of my enemies uh but uh i'll say this right here four or five years ago i'd have begged for an eight and four season <laughs> i would have i would have i would have you know sold the house to get eight and four because we were just that that putrid that, that terrible and that just inadequate in a lot of different ways here's the thing even in those five and seven butch jones seasons we were getting 12th 13th 15th recruiting class and tennessee's always been able to get some players here it's just what are you doing with them and so i think uh you look at it uh, i thought the matthews kid being the five star and we'll look down all the the recruits kind of give you a little bit of take on on where they were in their position group in their state uh nationally all those things we'll walk through that but I like what Josh Heupel did here. And in the world of NIL, I don't know that there's firm footing anywhere. So you just got to be happy uh, that that he's got guys that want to be at Tennessee. Right. Absolutely. You know, um, and and like you said about that eight and four, you're talking a road loss to Florida, road loss to Missouri, road loss to Alabama, 
And, you know, you, you get into some of those losses and, and we had, we, you know, without getting into detail, we had issues this season. We dealt with a lot of adversity, but you have to allow a coaching staff to have those years where you have your gaps in your, in your recruiting um, and you, you build and you build for the future. And I think we've got with Nico and the group that came in today, this is the start of something big. Oh, I think, I think you're absolutely right. So two, four, seven, uh, and I'm, I'm really bad about looking at the, whichever, uh, outlet has us at, at the best ranking. So I'm going to roll with two, four, seven, cause they've got us at 11th, uh, in the country, but they've, uh, they've got us a composite 13. So that tells me somebody's got us higher and somebody's got us lower. So I'll go with the 11th, but, uh, top recruits, Jordan Ross, he's from Vestavia Hills high school in Birmingham, Alabama. He's six, four and a half. I always love it when you put the half in there, mm-hmm. six, four and a half, 233 pounds, five-star athlete, a number 11 national player, number one position group from the edge position. And he's number three in the state. Uh, so in the state of Alabama, he's the third overall player. Gotta love that. Uh, the air pressure, when you pair him with Pierce, uh, it makes the Tyler Barron exit not so much. That tells me that Tyler Barron knew that this kid was going to be on his heels from spring practice. Yeah, this guy is explosive, and he's somebody that Sarkeesian was heavily after from Texas. So big pickup for Tennessee there with that five-star edge rusher. I agree. I agree. Mike Matthews, he's from Parkview High School in Lilbourn, Georgia. I think anytime you can get somebody out of Georgia, especially when Georgia's being as, as dominant as they are, that's a big deal. He's 6'1", 180 pounds, five-star wide receiver, uh, the number 28 national player, number eight in his position group nationally, and he's the state of Georgia's fourth best player I think he's going to be huge. He is a uh, a Thornton-esque player. He's long. He's got some ability to to kind of go get it. And so I like him as a young player to kind of watch Deontay Thornton one more year, see what he can learn from him, and then uh, and then replace that uh, that player there. Yeah, very interesting. I've heard a lot of comparisons with Randy Moss as far as you talked about his length and then his explosive speed, like Steve Smith. So some some comparison with Jawan Jennings, you know, um, with this guy, but he is already with the team and practicing with the team. Excited to have him. I just wanted y'all to know these are uh, not available for purchase, but the stickers are available if you want one. <laughs> but that's that orange Kool Aid you were talking about. Give me two. Uh, but give me two of those. Uh, Braylon Staley uh, is a four-star athlete. He's from Strom Thurmond High School in Johnston, South Carolina. Six foot, 180 pounds, uh, 78 national player, number 17 player in his position group, and number two out of the state of South Carolina uh, at the wide receiver position. So there's a five and a four-star wide receiver there. Uh, Both of those signed. What I'm loving right now, Ben, is number three in the state of Alabama, number four in the state of Georgia, and number two in the state of South Carolina. We're not necessarily going into other states and just getting players. We're getting the top five in their in their respective category. Yeah, and Staley's one of those guys that North Carolina was heavily after. Um, you know, they recently had their quarterback who who is allegedly going to be the next franchise quarterback in the NFL, um, but this was a guy that uh, they really like his ability to to run a route to the letter. Uh, his ability to break down a route, whether it be you know a quick out, post corner, whatever have you. They really like his technique, 
and his ability to get off the defensive back. So this is a guy that could potentially be a Jalen Hyatt for us um, if he if he fills uh, the stars that that they say he is. Yeah, and one of the things that Josh Heupel, because I, I think, and we'll talk about this when we get in this NIL discussion, but uh, Josh Heupel made a comment today uh, when he kept saying, they're like, are they ready to play? Are they ready to step in? Are they ready to do this? And he goes, I like their physical attributes. That's what he kept saying. It's like, you know, I've had him, and he keeps using the term on the grass. He says, I've only had him on the grass a couple days so far but I like their physical attributes. I think it's the D. Williams situation. It's not that they're not fast enough, not that they're not a good receiver. It's not that they can't be there. It's how quick can they pick up this system, the entire system. Mm-hmm. So well, I think that's you know, his big that, you, you used a great analogy, Wayne, about uh, the, the movie Miracle, but I think about a bottle of ketchup, Heinz 57, 57 ingredients in it. Now, not all 57 ingredients, I guarantee you, are the best ingredients to put into ketchup. But when combined, they yeah. make the best product. So I, I think that's what Josh Heifel is trying to um, trying to allude to. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree. Bennett Warren from Fort Bend Christian Academy in Sugarland, Texas. He's six, seven and a half, three hundred and thirty pounds, uh, wide receiver. I'm just kidding. Offensive tackle. Uh, <laughs> he's a four star athlete. He's number ninety in the country number eight at his position group and the 13th best player in the state of Texas, a lineman, an offensive lineman. Huge kid, uh, looks to be a happy kid, or at least in this picture he surely is. Uh, but I, I I think that's a point of emphasis. You know, sometimes in, in the transfer portal area era, it's all about free agency. How, how can we get to the playoff? How can we win a championship next year? This is a position – that you're probably not going to see this kid play very much next year because we've, we're going to return a big amount of our offensive linemen from, from last year. But what's going to happen is our strength staff's going to get a hold of him. They're going to take six, seven and a half, three thirty, and they're going to probably, he'll grow a little bit more by the time he hits the field real good. He'll be six, eight, three fifteen, but he'll be trimmed down and ready to rock. Yeah. And I think this is a kid, Wayne, we've heard a lot the past, past couple of days about this transfer portal when it opened up there was a lot of uh criticism about josh heupel and the coaching staff as far as recruiting goes this kid his last visit was june 23rd to university of tennessee okay his last interaction down here june 23rd and he made he decided to come to this university over michigan so he had made multiple trips with harbaugh you know michigan's going to the college football playoff he decided to buy in. He bought into that Kool-Aid we've been drinking, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, so I, I think uh, I think this kind of defeats that argument a little bit for us able able to get a kid out of Texas. Um, again, not not in our home state. Go get a kid this big uh, to play offensive line for us. I agree, and like I said, in today's era of if I can't play now, I don't want to come there. I think it's huge. It speaks a lot to his character as well. Uh, Boo Carter. Uh, a home state kid. Looks like Coach Heupel got eight kids out of the state of Tennessee in this 2024 cycle. Boo Carter, uh, we had the uh, luxury opportunity and uh, dismay to see him twice in person. Uh, went to Bradley Central High School right there in Cleveland, Tennessee. 5'10", 184 pounds, and pound for pound, probably as quick as I've seen uh, in a long, long time. Four-star athlete. He's the 146th national player. 
uh, seventh-ranked player in his position group, uh, listed as a safety, and then he is the state's fourth-best player. He's a 6A football mister, 6A uh, classification mister football winner this past year. Uh, Boo Carter, early enrollee, you got to like that from an academic standpoint, uh, but Boo Carter we're going to need him in the defensive backfield. I don't know that he's going to be ready in year one, Ben. I, I think that is a position in the Southeastern Conference where uh, eating your Wheaties is an understatement. You better be ready to rock. Uh, Boo Carter's got it. Uh, Coach Heupel's talked about him today. Specifically, Austin Price asked him about Boo Carter. Uh, again, Austin and, and Mark Packer's bunch have covered him a couple times. And he said his football IQ is extremely high. He said he has a maturity on the practice field that it's good to see from a young kid. And ultimately he said this bowl preparation is going to help him get in the culture. So I like what that could be. Uh, ultimately I'm, I'm always pro a, a local kid, uh, but I'm just really glad he's wearing the orange now and not that, not that golden black. Yeah. Like you, Wayne, I think you said it best. Uh, I'll start off. I lean more towards the dismay, but now I'm happy to have the luxury uh, wearing orange and white and having Boo Carter because we saw him play a couple times. The kid's explosive. And, and if you ask yourself as a fan, and you know, you're out here listening, you ask your fan, who's been, who's been the most active? What are a couple of the most active football teams in the portal? Who's spending the money? Colorado, mm. Ole Miss. So guess who was after this kid? Colorado. So uh, this is a kid that's coming to the University of Tennessee uh, he was probably offered a lot of money with Jordan Seaton, uh, you know, as a package deal. And he's right. coming here because he believes in Coach Heupel and how Heupel's going to make him successful. Where he plays, I'm excited to find out. Yeah, and I, I, I want I want him to be open-minded, uh, get in where he fits in. At his size, 5'10", it's going to be a stretch for him to play with some of those tall receivers. So I wouldn't be surprised if long-term, if he keeps his – because Heupel talks about his spatial recognition and his ability. Uh, what did he say? It was like close quarter quickness, like that change of direction. He may he may settle into more of a corner spot just because of his size and quickness. So for people that have seen Boo Carter play, uh, I think about Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan would, and you talked about that just a few minutes ago. Rex Ryan uh, had a saying for guys that could escape tackles with no room to escape. Uh, he would say that kid could escape a tackle in a phone booth, okay? And that's Boo Carter. Mm. Boo Carter has the ability with, with no escape presented in a group huddle, he's able to manage his way out of that. Uh, so that's what's really exciting about having him on our roster. Yeah, I like him a lot. Caleb Beasley, Lipscomb Academy out of Nashville, Tennessee, six foot, 185 pounds corner. Uh, he's a four star athlete, 183rd national ranking, 15th in his position group, and number five player in the state of Tennessee. Caleb Beasley, uh, anybody that comes out of the mid state, that is a, if Tennessee has hotbeds for, for talent, it's in the mid state and the Memphis area. Uh, those two little hot spots in the state. Uh, but Caleb Beasley coming out of Lipscomb Academy, uh, I like this kid at the corner position. Again, you've you've gotten some guys out of the portal. Now you have some youth in the defensive backfield. I like both those ads. So real quickly on this kid, this kid kind of reminds me of Eric Berry. Uh, and the reason why I say that is, is in his mannerisms and how he handled his recruiting process. 
So he was a kid that October of 2022, he committed to Tennessee. He was locked in in, in late June after an official visit. So this is a kid that bleeds orange and white, uh, comes from the mid-state, excited to have him on the roster. Yes, sir. Peyton Lewis, Salem, Virginia, Salem High School. He's six foot, a half inch, uh, 197 pounds, four-star recruit, national ranking of 193, 14th in his position group, and it also lists him at number five in the state of Virginia at the running back position. I like this kid. They talk about him being explosive. Uh, Peyton Lewis, I don't know that he's going to be Jalen Wright from a size perspective, uh, but they say that this could be a kid maybe with some weight room and uh, a a red shirt year under his belt could very much uh, flush into that running back room and fit in well. Yeah, Tennessee fans really excited to have this kid. Uh, He was heavily sought out by – South Carolina Gamecocks, it's it's good to know that he uh, he isn't going to take with that Baney Rooster selling in Columbus. Well, I'll tell you, with the name Peyton, he was always ha- he was already <laughs> halfway in orange and white. Uh, the next guy, Jake Merklinger, uh, he's from Calvary Day School in Savannah, Georgia, and he's 6'3", 195 pounds, a four-star quarterback. Uh, he's 221st nationally ranked, 13th in his position group, 27th best player in the state of Georgia. But again, I think all first 25s, probably five-star athletes. So it's not that he's not a great player. I like this. I think in every class, especially in the transfer portal and the early exit to the NFL, you've got to take a quarterback in every single class. That's one in this class. Hypel kind of lingered around that there may be some other options uh, to add a third quarterback so that you can either have a, a third uh, option there, uh, even not ruling out a portal entry uh, to where you could have some experience, some guys in practice that could kind of help your guys out. Yeah, I like this pickup. Uh, Gaston Moore is on the fence right now, um, and you you hit the nail on the head right there, Wayne. you got to have a third-string quarterback in today's college football. Yeah, I think absolutely. You just need to have it just for uh, – uh, you need a different uh, change of pace in the scout team as well. I, I think there's a lot of a lot of advantages there. Max Anderson, uh, he's from Reedy, Te- or Reedy High School in Frisco, Texas. He's an offensive tackle, 6'5", 309. He's a four-star athlete, number 246 nationally, 12th in his position group, and the 40th, 40th best player in the state of Texas. I mean, Lord, how, how uh, you're a four-star athlete, 6'5", 309 and you're the 40th best player in your state but i like max anderson i think he's one that you wanted to hold on to kind of one of those fit guys again that you're you uh when you run this offense you got to have rotation even though they don't rotate maybe within the drive i think it's going to be nice to have some of these young guys that you can kind of build up and get in for a few meaningful snaps here and there yeah, and this is a guy that can play uh, either the guard or the tackle position. Uh, so, you know, typically if you can play either the guard or the tackle position, you can be taught center. Um, so uh, good to see somebody that we can get in and kind of move around in different areas. You know, we're going to need that kind of depth as the season progresses. Absolutely. Edwin Spillman, he's from Lipscomb Academy as well, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, 6'2", 214 pounds, four-star athlete, not ranked nationally. He's 28th in his position group, and they say he's the ninth best player in the state of Tennessee at a linebacker position. Tells you how good Lipscomb was. You know, they, we get another big recruit from Middle Tennessee there, uh, freshman wide receiver Nate Spillman. So 
comes from good uh, good stock there, buddy. Absolutely. William Satterwhite, Archbishop Hoban High School in Akron, Ohio. Uh, 6'3", 300 pounds. He's a four-star athlete. Uh, 19th best player in his position group. 13th best player in the state of Ohio. And he's an He's actually listed as an IOL, an inside offensive lineman. So I don't know if that means guard, guard, uh, center. I'm not sure what that IOL means, but uh, I know what AOL is, but I don't know what IOL is. But anyway, I, I think that's a huge pickup. We talked about those inside linemen, uh, the need to, to have some new guys kind of built up when this, this uh, what we're considering the strength going into 2024 graduates because I think a lot of those guys run out of eligibility. Yeah, probably, uh, you know, like you said, uh, internal offensive lineman prefers to play center, but he's willing to play guard. But this guy, uh, really good footwork and and really going to help us with depth on the offensive line. Hey, maybe it's introverted offensive lineman. Maybe he just doesn't like to talk to people. <laughs> it can happen. It can yeah, happen. Go. Uh, We're going to go with Ke- that, man. Kellen Lindstrom. I mean, it's a, it's just as good an option as other people. Uh, Kellen Lynch uh, from Glendale uh, High School, Springfield, Missouri, uh, 6'5", 235 pounds defensive lineman. They say he's the 55th best player in his position group, 10th best uh, player in the state of Missouri. Nice to get one away from Drinkwitz. Uh, and unfortunately, and I say that, well, every, every bit of it's meant, uh, unfortunately, Elias Drinkwitz is having a pretty successful recruiting cycle here. So nice to pick one away from him in Missouri. Yeah, this guy is uh, really good. Uh, next gap. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to move on, but go ahead with Did you say he's good with the gap assignment? Yeah, really good with gap assignment uh, up front. This guy has played nose tackle before. And, you know, he was sought after by Missouri and Oklahoma, so glad to have him on the roster. Absolutely. Jordan Burns from Pace Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, 6'1 220 pounds, three-star recruit, 41st best in his position group, the 52nd best player in the state of Georgia at a linebacker position. Always nice to add some depth there. Again, some guys that's going to learn, be able to practice our starters and then hopefully going into 25 really have a a strong presence going into nico's second year in the system yeah scouts talk highly about uh, his (laughs) (laughs) yeah scouts talk heavily about his ability to guard underneath as a linebacker i tell you he's uh he's gonna be a good addition yeah, Marcus Gorey Jr., another Bradley Central Bear out of Cleveland, Tennessee. Saw him a couple years, actually. Uh, Coach Damon Floyd had him for more than just one year. Uh, he's a 6'1", 176-pound player, three-star athlete, number 41 in his position group, number 15th in the state of Tennessee. He's listed as an athlete, Ben. So, I mean, I think they're they're looking for him to go in a lot of different directions uh he's wearing in practice number six i don't know if that tells me anything uh but that maybe makes me think that they may be looking at him um i don't know i don't know i guess you can wear six at db too honestly i think if i saw him have more success in high school in the defensive backfield we need more depth there 
so I think it's it probably leaning in that direction, but I, w- I don't think they're taking away the option of him being a return man, of him uh, possibly being on offense. Yeah, he played really well as a cover corner, uh, so I hope – to see him play that position at the next level. I mean, this is a guy that doesn't allow a lot of open space for the wide receiver. Um, so excited to have him on the roster. Uh, next is Cole Harrison, Junipero Sarah uh, High School in San Mateo, California. I may have said that completely wrong, uh, but he's from California. Uh, he's six five and a half, two hundred and twenty pounds, a three star athlete at the tight end position, thirty eighth ranked in his position group number 46 the state of california talked about him today ben that he is a wide receiver uh in that played a lot of tight end in high school uh, they say at six five and a half two twenties quick has some opportunity to kind of attach and and block when he needs to but it can also kind of do the 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 travis kelsey the the tony gonzalez uh insert prolific tight end name here he can do the the pass catching ability things yeah, I was excited to see him picked up. Um, he's one of those guys that, like you mentioned, in high school uh, has the ability to block but also catch the football. Uh, so he was a wide receiver, but he was recruited as a tight end. Uh, Jesse Perry, Middle Tennessee Christian School in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He's an offensive tackle, 6'5", 278. He's a three-star athlete, 51st best position group, uh, number 19 in the state of Tennessee. Rinse and repeat. Uh, this is a good addition based on need and depth. And again, a local kid from Murfreesboro wants to wear the orange and white. So again, you and I, we talked about how you don't see a lot of these offensive linemen coming to Tennessee from the transfer portal. But here's a guy, six foot five, 278 pounds. If this kid is developed and he has any kind of success at the SEC level, this is an NFL offensive lineman at that size. So great pickup. Yeah, and he's already here. He's already on our campus doing our, our weight program. I expect him to probably, be, by next fall, be close to 300 pounds. I expect him to get a lot bigger. Uh, Edris Farouk uh, from St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, Maryland, your old uh, stomping ground, your hometown. Uh, 5'11", 180 pounds, three-star recruit. He's 71st in his position group, 20th in the state of Maryland at the safety position. He's another guy that I think can grow into being a big-time uh, defensive back. You know, one of the best safeties played in Baltimore is Ed Reed. So, you know, you got you to gotta, – I mean, this kid gets the upper hand here, buddy. <laughs> well, you, you ask Ed Reed, he, he's, only, he's only from one place. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, uh, next is Jermias Hurd uh, from, uh, I don't know if it's a typo or whatever. It says model nine through 12. I don't know if that's model high school. And it was like a, a nine through 12 high school. I don't know. From Rome, Georgia. Listen to this six, seven, three Oh five, a three-star recruit at defensive line, the 87th best position or defensive lineman in the country. The 70th best player in Georgia. Like I said, that's not a knock. I think if you're a top 100 player in Georgia, you're a defense. You're a D1 player. Uh, nice to add a huge body on that defensive line. Six seven three zero five. That's that's obviously that's honestly a pretty lean guy at uh, six seven. Well, a lot of fans probably looking at this recruit saying, "Hey, can he move?" 
Well, he played tight end in high school, and he was a very successful tight end. So that big body defensive lineman, he can also move. That's good here. Another one of these uh, introverted offensive linemen, Gage Ginther, uh, Fossil Ridge High School from Fort Collins, Colorado, 6'5 and a half, 287 pounds, three star recruit. Uh, he's the 68th best uh, position group for for interior offensive lineman, but they say he's the number one player in the state of Colorado. Kind of cool. It's always good when you yeah. get the best player out of any state. Uh, next is Carson Gentle uh, from Macaulay School there in Chattanooga. That's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's four kids out of uh, out of Chattanooga area, Cleveland area. Uh, Macaulay High School in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 6'3", 245. Uh, he's the 116th best Defensive lineman in the country, 34th best player in the state of Tennessee. Uh, Carson Gentle, I think, is anything but that. And Macaulay, one of those great football programs down there in Chattanooga area that you just like getting those guys because structure is not a thing you have to teach them. The ability to work is not something you have to teach them. And this guy's going to be here all four years. Yeah, and this is another guy that committed in July, uh, the summer of 2022. So, again, uh, all the criticism about Heifel and is he recruiting? How's his recruiting going? A lot of these commitments are relationships he built a year and a half ago. All right, so you know I think we got to be we got to be considerate of that. Sure, sure. Jamal Wallace, Sierra College, Rockland, California. He's the last uh, high school player that we signed today. Six two three zero two at a defensive lineman position, three star athlete, number fifty national player number 15 in his position group, and number six player in the state of California. That's a huge get right there. That's a guy that if you look at it, he's actually a Juco signee, uh, but if you look at him, a lot of people wanted him. A lot of people's questioning, oh, he's a three-star guy. Why are you taking a Juco guy? There's all these portal guys. Well, I, you know, I, I'm a fan of any time you've, you've had your, your – I'm a guy that uh, – likes guys on second chances because uh, they know what it feels like to screw up and have it all taken away from them. So I like I like this guy being on second chance. Uh, he's a defensive lineman, so if he's uh, he's got a little edge on him, uh, then maybe that showed in that first occurrence, uh, and Jamal Wallace is ready to make it right at Tennessee. Uh, I like him. You know, you look at him, 302, he's probably going to be ready to go. You could have him as a change of pace with, uh, you know, guys like Elijah Simmons, uh, I don't know that he's an edge guy, but you you could move him around in the interior there and really not have a ton of drop off. He's played some some college football. Yeah, and you talked about how extensive the recruiting process was for him. Multiple conferences going after this one recruit. A lot of the recruits you mentioned earlier in the broadcast, Wayne, were you know maybe SEC and Pac Pac twelve or whatever. Uh, you know. Just a couple conferences. This was multiple conferences, multiple coaches going after this kid. He chose Tennessee. Yeah, I, I like I like this kid. And then the three transfer portal guys that's already committed and, and kind of a joined us there at, at bowl practice. Uh, Jermod McCoy, he just committed this morning, but he'll be headed toward Knoxville very, very soon. He's a transfer from Oregon State. He's a defensive back. Uh, cornerback is what they're listening him at. Six foot, 180 pounds. Uh, read a lot of the tea leaves on this kid. When he was in there, he has a lot of opportunity to be be explosive, do some big things. He did not play full-time snaps in some matchups, so I think that's a 
that's a question mark. Was it scheme? Was it him? Was it coaching staff? I think all those questions are in play. Um, I think their coaching change at, at Oregon State, their coach went to to be the head coach at Michigan State. I think that ultimately made him uneasy in in Oregon State's uh, system. But uh, it's, it's their loss is our gain. I, I like this ad uh, with some college experience in the defensive backfield. Yeah, and as I mentioned, first first notification we got 6:52 this morning. We got a defensive back from Oregon State. Uh, we lose a lot of guys in the portal to the defensive back position. I thought this was a really good sign, a really great addition. Yeah, Jacoby Thomas transferred from Middle Tennessee, coming to Knoxville. Uh, he was a uh, he's a Tennessee kid, so I think it was nice at the safety position for him to get some experience us to be able to see what he can do at Middle Tennessee State, even though the competition will ratchet up coming to the Southeastern Conference. Uh, his his words were, there was no way I could say no to the Big Orange. So I'm excited to have him. Anybody who's committed to the school, and now, now talks cheap, ultimately. Uh, if coaching, if coaches change or people move, is he still going to be committed? That's, that's a conversation for a future day. Right now, just happy to have Jacoby Thomas uh, wearing Tennessee orange. From Tullahoma, Tennessee, 10 games started this season as a redshirt sophomore. Good to have him on the roster. Holden stays probably, and I'm I'm going to go ahead and say that I, I liked Castles and I liked Jacob Warren, but Holden stays, is a, he is an elite tight end in college football. He's moving over from Notre Dame, coming to Tennessee. Uh, pretty much a consensus four-star athlete coming out of high school. He's 6'4", 242 pounds, ready to go, and he's another one of those guys that doesn't care to block but knows how to catch the football. So I think he's a he's a piece that will make an immediate impact and going to be a, a piece of the puzzle that I think uh, maybe Nico's safety valve early and often. Yeah, this was the big splash over the weekend for Tennessee fans picking up uh, Mr. Stays there. I think he's going to be a huge addition to what Nico's trying to do. He's going to open up that midfield and then allow the receivers to get open on the outside. So that's that's the recruiting class. If you if you're still awake and you're you've still continued to listen to us, uh, that's why I'm I'm positive. Is I see a lot of kids that are ready to go want to play for Tennessee, like the culture. Obviously, a bunch of those kids, they they didn't let the perceived lack of success this season uh, deter their, their opportunity to come to Tennessee. Uh, I like that. Uh, you, you know, I think, it, can you win more battles for five stars? Can you do more to, to appease said fan base or, you know, said recruiting rankings? Probably. But I, I don't know that that necessarily in a in an offense that is unique, that isn't, you know, that it's very hard to say, oh, this guy is a can't miss in, in Josh Heupel's offense. I don't think that exists. I think the when you get a five-star receiver, that means I think that's projection for a pro-style offense or, or for the standard college look, which is not what Josh Heupel puts out there. So to me – I, I think if Heupel's happy, I'm happy. And ultimately, if um, if the results are there, we'll all be happy. So I'm, I'm good to just let it ride. I think if you look at it, we've talked about who stayed, who went, all those different things. At the end of the day, I think we had six players uh, hit the portal. Uh, I, think, uh, I think Georgia alone had like 14. So uh, in my opinion, the world we live in, 
very rarely are you ever going to have zero. Uh, you're going to have a guy that is, is a dollar chaser. You're going to have a guy that's a play playing time chaser. And then you're going to have the vast majority, which is what we had this year that understands the process, loves the culture and understands that if they work hard, they'll get on the field. And I think that's what we've got here. We've signed a good class. I wouldn't say that it's a great class, but I will say uh, when you don't when you don't sign, you know, court five star quarterbacks, when you don't sign the the number one player in the country, it's hard to be in the top ten anymore. So uh, to me, uh, I like where we're at. Yeah. So you know, I'm with you, Wayne. I think uh, Coach Heupel's done well with this signing class uh, up to this point. Um, I think with the portal, I think where the fan base is uneasy, as you mentioned it, is uh, they've seen some names hit the portal, uh, most notably Tyler Barron going to Ole Miss. Uh, I think if you look at the defensive backs, look, we all we had we had issues in the defensive back room. And at the end of the day, if they don't want to be here, you know, you and I joke about 75 goes north, 75 goes south, 40 goes west, 40 goes east. But uh, I think where for Tennessee fans, where they started to uh, become concerned about the portal process with Josh Heupel is Walter Nolan comes up, right? And everybody says, well, he's, he's wanting to leave Texas A&M. He wanted us. It was between us and Texas A&M. So he'll for sure come back and play football for us. He does. All right. Trevor, uh, the, other, the other one is Trevor Antien. Uh, you know, he's, he's, go, he's leaving Florida. Hey, guess what? We have a need at running back. I mean, we, we've got Samson coming back, but we have a need if, um, drawing blank, Jabari Small, Jabari Small chooses to, to move on. Uh, so seeing Etienne looking like he's going to go to Georgia, and then lastly, Juice Wells. I think we were all pretty, pretty adamant that Juice Wells and Jordan Seaton were going to be locks to come to the University of Tennessee. But what we're finding out as a fan base, this is a very competitive market. There are a lot of moving pieces. Um, there's a lot of things being offered, and kids are not going to be transparent about what they're being offered, whether it be playing time or money. Well, and 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 I'll tell you this: there is a there. There's one big fish left out there, and it's Chris Brazel, the second. He's a two lane transfer wide receiver. Uh, he's one of the hottest commodities out there. If you look at his Twitter. Uh, which I, I pretty much stalk him on the reg, but uh, uh, he's got about 17 offers right now. And I don't know if, if uh, logo placement means anything, but the one closest to his helmet uh, in those images are is Tennessee. I, I don't know that that means anything. I think there's been two crystal balls that say he's coming to Tennessee. I still don't know what that means. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, that could be a huge get for, for us at the receiver position. Uh, I think uh, uh, another a running back, you know, talking about ETN, a running back that we kind of forget about a little bit is uh, Cam Seldon. You know, he didn't get a ton of reps this season based on us having the three-headed monster of Small, Wright, and Sampson. I think Cam Seldon is is kind of a, a quiet piece that, that could explode next year. Uh, but then I think the, the, Peyton, the Peyton Lewis kid, uh, if if needed, he can be number three. If if Jabari Small decides to take his talents elsewhere, I don't know that Jabari Small, and I could be completely wrong with this. I don't think he did himself any favors uh, this year uh, with his output to make himself marketable. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. I think Samson 
the way he was able to explode, the way Jalen Wright, I mean, he had the second most yards per carry in the country. That's why he declared for the NFL draft. Um, I think running behind the same offensive line, Small didn't impress me as much as the other two did. Still a good back, and I still want him back. Um, but I, that's just my honest opinion of, of Jabari Small. Uh, I want him back, um, but I, I could see him exploring just opportunities to be a be the number one guy somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and I think when Jalen Wright in the Georgia game, the opening touchdown, uh, where he outran Georgia defensive backs, I had heard an analyst say he just made money for himself. Sure, he oh, outran NFL in open field. <laughs> he outran them for a touchdown. So I think when that happened, that kind of put Jabari Small. Uh, he, he's looking at it from a matter of perspective, saying, "Look, you know, I'm I'm going to be two, three string here." Um, so he he may make a decision to uh, to leave. Maybe, maybe, and that's uh, that's to be determined, right? Uh, right. But today's uh, today's age is the NIL world. Uh, Tennessee has notably the fifth largest collective. Which, when when we say the word collective, that just means the boosters, the the groups of, of people that support our NIL campaign. We have the fifth largest in the country. So people say there's money there. Why are we not using it? Why are we not doing things uh, that need to be done? Here's the thing. I I stand on firm footing, I think, when I say this. Uh, just because it's the fifth largest collective doesn't mean there's still not uh, unwritten money being printed somewhere else. And what I mean by that is just because we can't offer, you know, we offer people big money. And, and I think when they come here, uh, I don't think Hypel, uh rolls out. I think he rolls out the carpet for them. I don't want to say that he doesn't do good things for these kids. But I don't think he's willing to look them and lie to them and say, oh, yeah, if you come to Tennessee, you're going to be the absolute starter. It's going to happen. Everything's going to be, you know, it's the old adage. Um, who was it? Who was it? Uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was it was a it was a 30 for 30 that that basically everybody said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you come here, you're going to be the starter. You're going to have every chance to be the starter. And uh, oh, I think it was uh, it was Vince Young. It was Vince Young's uh, recruitment to Texas. And basically, he went, he was an Oklahoma kid, wanted to go to Oklahoma, and he went and talked to, uh, um, I think it was at the time, Bob Stoops. And Bob Stoops said, Well, uh, we'd really like, I'm, I'm completely wrong. I'm backwards. It's not Vince. <laughs> it was Adrian Peterson. It was the Texas Oklahoma rivalry, but, uh, and basically, it was Mac Brown that screwed him over. Basically, he was a Texas kid. He wanted to go to uh, he wanted to go to Texas, but uh, so Bob Stoops told him you'd have every opportunity to to play and start. Um, and, uh, and and Mac Brown told him, you know, we've got Cedric Benson, and we really, you know, you you can come in and you can practice, and and maybe in year two you can get your opportunity. You know, I, I think Heupel in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I don't know that this is good or bad or indifferent. I, I'm, I'm afraid he may be more Mac Brown about the situation. I mean, I, I, just because I think he's loyal to his guys. I think he understands the guys in his room uh, are the ones that's with him, for him, and going to be with him. Uh, mm-hmm. If he starts turning those stones over, especially in the NIL world, in the transfer portal world, 
We just told this guy that's never taken a snap. He's going to come and take my job from me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that to be true, but I, I could see Keupel as a cultural guy that, that wants to keep it 100. If you ask him a point blank question and he mentioned it today in his press conference, you know, do they, do they ask more now about playing time than they did before? He went, they've always asked about playing time. But I, I think, you know, you've talked about a little bit of uh, we've offered more money and kids go elsewhere. I think um, at the at the end of the day, some of these kids want to play. Uh, and if we're 100 with them and say, you know, are you going to come in here and, and play defensive end over over Pierce? Probably not. <laughs> it's it's You're going to have to be a one in a million to come in here and take – uh, Cooper Mays' job away from him. You're going to have to be one in, a hun- one in a million come in here and take insert name here. You know what I'm saying? Slot receiver. No, not a lot of people is going to take Squirrel's job from him. And so, to me, is it is it the fact that we are losing battles or that we're not lying to kids? I think there's a balance there. Yeah, I think you can go back as a listener or you know a fan and you can read Mike Leach's book about Josh Heifel. And when you read about Josh Heupel, it's exactly what you said, Wayne. He is a guy that he can build relationships because he's transparent. Uh, He is very honest, openly honest to these players. Uh, And that comes from his upbringing in South Dakota. And, you know, throughout the season, you can look at one example throughout the season. The media, the fan base, they hounded Heupel about uh, Joe Milton and saying, you know, when's Nico going to play? When's Nico going to play? And towards the end of the season, Heupel started to address that directly. And and analysts would say, if you watch games from home, they would say, we talked to uh, we talked to Coach as he came out on the field, and he was adamant. The starter today is Joe Mill. Just shut – just put it to rest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you're right. I think, like, you talk about the Seton kid. The Seton kid, the media – said that Tennessee was somewhere around $2.3 million in offering him to play football at Tennessee. That means that Colorado came in and offered him more than 2.3. Let's just say $3 million, okay? okay. Now he's now he's wavering on that for whatever reason, maybe because other teams are offering more to pull this kid to come play for them. Is that the kind of guy that Josh Heifel wants in his locker room? I'm thinking no. I'm thinking he said, look, I'm willing to pay you this. That's what I've told you. That's what I'm willing to do. He walked out the door and said, not interested. I'm going here. I think Heifel's the kind of guy that's going to say, look, you know, this guy may be able to help us, but I don't need that in my locker room. If you're not going to commit and you're not going to stand by your words, that's not how we operate as a coaching staff and as a locker room. So I'm with you. I think I think people need to look at it from the perspective he's he's evaluating a character component with these kids, and uh, that's going to help him long term. Yeah, and I think I think that that goes players and coaches. I think Heupel Heupel has a pretty good bond with his players because he was one. He understands the college experience. He understands the transfer. Uh, piece of it too you know people forget that he wasn't a four-year starter at Oklahoma Uh, he had to transfer in there so uh, I think that's where he wins with the players and then I think he's 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 true to his uh what is it South Dakota roots uh he is loyal to a fault uh he is he's a guy that uh 
He's going to be transparent and honest with his coaching staff. Uh, I have no qualms. He does not have on paper the best recruiters in the country on his coaching staff, but he has his guys. He has he has guys that trust him, that he trusts, uh, and that believes in what they're trying to do there in Knoxville. And ultimately, it's like I always say, it's about a, I say this about a lot of things, and I'll leave what categories out, but um, he's the one that gets uh, – he gets very little praise for the success, but he gets all the, the blame for the, the <laughs> results. And yeah. so to me, um, he's got to make that bed, and he absolutely, based on experience, will lie in it. Uh, so to me, uh, I'm going to let him do what he needs to do. Yeah, and one just quick point to build off of that, and you talked about it, uh, his experience in Oklahoma. You know, it's very well documented what happened to him. Um, and how he was terminated from that that position as offensive coordinator. And he hasn't publicly come out and said that, you know, I despise Oklahoma, uh, but he has made no effort uh, to to put himself next to the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, we've talked and to we'll find that, out next year. <laughs> yeah, well, we've talked to people that are familiar with that program when they were making the, the coaching change. There was really the, the – the program had no, I mean, from our understanding, there was no interest uh, in Josh Heupel and Josh Heupel had no interest, but that goes back to that character component that you're talking about. That is in Mike Leach's book. If you read it is that this is a guy that knows how to build relationships. He's very loyal. He's very transparent. Um, So I think, I think that's what he's building here. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I like what he's doing. And, and just to put the NIL stuff in perspective, like I said, Kurt Russell in the movie miracle, wish I knew that coach's name. If you haven't seen that movie, go watch that movie. He said, it's not about the, the best players or, or the perceived prettiest players, whatever it's about the right players. And so I like, I, I'm going to ride with coach Heupel and, and until he gets me a reason not to so i like what we've done in the world of nil i think uh your your flooring and your footing is always going to be on sand a little bit you're always going to move under you a little bit but at the end of the day um you're either with us or you ain't and and to me i'm with us so uh let's rock and roll uh let's let's uh let's switch to something that's maybe not so close to home let's go to bowl games uh pick a few bowl games here uh i've not necessarily had the best success here in 2020 uh, 23's cycle here. Uh, but you know what? That's why bowl mania is what it is. You, you don't always hit them. Uh, but, uh, I'll be honest. I don't know how I lost that old dominion, uh, or how I got that Western Kentucky over old dominion the other day, had them had Western Kentucky was madder than a bull. I was like, you know, Tyson Helton. I'm like, what, what the heck's wrong with you? You can't coach. That's why we fired you. And then he just comes back and wins in overtime. So. Got mad, huh? He got mad, huh? And, well, I wasn't the happiest guy. <laughs> but uh, what we're going to do is because we're we're trying to get back on good fitting of doing a weekly podcast. So we're we're going to call or we're going to pick the the bowl games from the twenty first to through the twenty seventh. I think that that should give us that puts us on uh, on notice that we have to do a podcast before the twenty eighth. I think that's what it does, right, Ben? Yep. Uh, but the next, uh, starting tomorrow, uh, we'll get us back. There's actually not a bowl game tonight. So that was a good, that was a good choice to do the podcast tonight, but we'll start with the roofclaim.com Boca Raton bowl. Like I, I really feel like at the end of this thing, we need to rank best names, worst names, interesting. 
like probably one of my favorite ones was the famous toastery bowl, uh, the Western Kentucky Old Dominion game. I'm like, what is a toastery? Is that like a cheap pop tart? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I'm looking for the Kraft macaroni and cheese bowl here. You know, we need to get one of them going. You know. Yeah. What happened to the uh, Meineke Car Care Bowl? But anyway, roofclaim.com, Boca Raton Bowl. It's in Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, it's the Syracuse Orange at 6-6 six and six, uh, against the South Florida Bulls, also 6-6. Six and six. The line tends to favor Syracuse in this one. Uh, I went with the upset in the, the college football bowl mania, Capital One Bowl mania, um, and strictly because of Alex Golish and how he played against Alabama. Completely the only reason I put it that way. So I'm with you, buddy. I took South Florida to cover and win. Uh, quarterback Garrett Schrader will be out for the Orangemen. Uh, they're going with a red shirt freshman. That's one pass for negative six yards. So, yeah, going with the Bulls. Well, and, and Syracuse does have a new coach, so they're going to be playing with an interim. So, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Instability breeds instability. So I'm going to go with the Bulls. Uh, the next one is the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, UCF versus Georgia Tech. Uh, both these teams also six and six. The line seems to favor the Gus Malzon led UCF Knights. I also went with UCF. I don't know. I just I know Georgia Tech doesn't run the triple option anymore, but I still can't get over uh, the Yellow Jackets. I'm not a fan. Uh, give me the Knights. I'm more interested in what uniform combination the Knights wear than this actual football game. So I picked the Knights to win by a field goal and the Bees to cover. Uh, Georgia Tech lost to Georgia, thirty-one to twenty-three. So you know you got to take you got to take that into consideration. I mean, that's a that's a tough Georgia Bulldog football team in a close game. Few opt-outs for Gus Malzahn's group. Most importantly, Plumlee's out. So you remember um, you remember Kevin Scherer that used to coach linebackers at Tennessee. He is linebackers coach at Georgia Tech. Okay. So that's just that's just food for thought. It, it may be on Jeopardy tomorrow night. Make I don't a know. Change here. Uh, <laughs> the next one is the Camellia Bowl. It kind of makes me nervous as to why it doesn't have a sponsor. But it's Northern Illinois Huskies versus Butch Jones's Arkansas State Red Wolves. Both teams sit at six and six. Uh, Butch Jones had T-shirts made when they became bowl eligible, uh, and I'll be honest the line favors the red wolves i feel like he so when he was at tennessee if there was one thing he could do was win a bowl game so i went with butch jones's red wolves not because i like him not because i like the t-shirt but honestly like i said i just he won bowl games so that's his thing yeah it took uh, arkansas state to win this t-shirt by t-shirt um i took you them know, to hey, cover and win <laughs> the Huskies have four losses against non-bowl opponents. And, you know, looking at the Red Wolves, six losses came against bowl teams. So I take Arkansas to cover and win. Yeah, Arkansas State, uh, they will definitely have consistency in performance. It will happen. <laughs> uh, the next one is the 76 brand Birmingham Bowl. The Duke Blue Devils versus the Troy Trojans. Duke is 7-5. and five. Troy is 11-2. and two. Favor the line favors the the men of Troy, uh, eleven and two on the season. Uh, Duke's head football coach Mike Elko's now at Texas A and M. I went with I went with Troy. 
Yeah, I took Troy to cover, but I took Duke to win. Uh, Trooper Taylor head coaching it after Elko departure to Texas A&M. You talked about that. Um, really like this Duke quarterback, uh, but uh, but he opted out and hit and hit the portal. Um, so I like the Trojans running back, Kamani Badal. I think that's going to be the difference maker. Air Force and James Madison in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. James Madison, that uh, they're the Dukes, and they uh, they had that prolific eleven and one season. Air Force, the Falcons, eight and four on the season. Uh, it is the the future home or the coming uh, next fall's home for Maryville's own Gage Ledoux. But I'll be honest, I went with the Duke Dukies in this one next year. When they've got Gage, I'll pick them every game. But James Madison, to me, they're fired up. They're not necessarily getting hit, or at least from what I'm seeing from the portal. Their head football coach did leave. Uh, he, he's taking a bigger job there. But to me, James Madison has – this is their, their maybe one shot because they're not a guaranteed bowl bid kind of conference team. Uh, so, to me, James Madison has everything to gain, nothing to lose. So I'm going to go uh, with Air Force to win and cover on the upset, buddy. Um, the, the difference maker was the Signetti leaving for Indiana, but also with that happening, 10 or so opt-outs for James Madison. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's okay. It's fine. We don't have to agree on everything. Everybody's opting out, man. Everybody doesn't want to play full football. So there was there was something saying that there was a, there was a hundred and – I want to say there's 131 Division I uh, football teams – and there's 150-something quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Let that sink in. Anyway, next one, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, maybe the most constant name for a bowl game in my lifetime. Utah State, the Aggies sit at 6-6. Six and six. They'll take on the Georgia State Panthers at 6-6. Six and six. Fun fact, Georgia State, now their home stadium is Turner Field in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I went with the Aggies of Utah State, though. The, uh, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that where uh, um, that's where AJ Iruly's favorite quarterback came out of? Who was the kid that the Packers drafted first round that, that didn't even play his senior year? I can't think of it. Bryce, uh, Bryce something. Yeah. Anyway, if AJ watches this show, he'll he'll I'll know because he'll, he'll text me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I took Utah State. Anyway, I'll with Utah State. Yeah, I took Utah State. Georgia State is missing guys in this game, uh, going going back to opting out, and Utah State isn't. So I take Utah State to win and cover. I swear they're playing like 15 games on the 23rd. The next one is the 68 Ventures Bowl. Uh, Eastern Michigan, the Eagles, at 6 and 6. They'll take on South Alabama. Of the Jaguars also at six and six, probably the biggest favorite that we've talked about to this point. South Alabama, a minus one thousand on the line, eighty-two percent picking the uh, Jaguars, and uh, I'm part of that. I'm I'm one of the eighty-two percenters. Yeah, Jags to win. I, I took the Eagles to cover. I think the minus seventeen. That's a huge spread in a game like this. Um, I like um, they're going to use a Udango. The third, the third string quarterback. Um, so, you know, I like him. He, I feel like be- that's what you yell when you do wrong. Like you, Dango. You, Dango. <laughs> the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. 
uh, obviously, hopefully played in Las Vegas, will be Northwestern, the Wildcats, 7-5 and five on the season, taking on the interlocking U's, the Utah Utes, 8-4 and four record on the season. Um, 91% picking the Utes so far. Uh, they're favored in this one uh, by about a minus 240. I'm going with Kyle Whittingham and the Utes. If if there's a coach outside of the outside of the SEC or outside of the kind of the East Coast that I I respect a whole lot just for knowing who you are and and staying put, it's Kyle Whittingham. I'm going to go with the Utes. Yeah, I took the Utes as well. They've got a strong defensive line. I think that strong D line wins over Northwestern's weak pass protection. Uh, take the Utes in this one. All right, next is. The Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, uh, San Jose State, the Spartans seven and five, and Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers at seven and five. Uh, looks like the the line seems to be leaning towards San Jose State. I took the Chanticleers, and it's really because they all they already play at the beach, and I just went with it. Um, it's the only way I'd ever want to be seven and five if I had a chance to go to the Hawaii Bowl. So I took San Jose State to win and cover. Siobhan Cordero is their quarterback. He's capping off a stellar career for San Jose State, and he's playing at home in Hawaii in front of his family and friends. So I like that going in this ballgame. So if you haven't noticed, anybody who's listening, uh, Ben actually has reasons why he picked it. I usually pick them based on turf color, uniform combination, or I don't know if I know anybody that likes them. But uh, the next one, this one actually go. We we take a little bit of a break from bowl games. I have have a ton of bowl games on Saturday, the twenty third. Then we kind of go quiet until the twenty sixth Tuesday, where we have the Quick Lane Bowl, which will be PJ Flex Minnesota Golden Gophers at five and seven. They're one of those few uh, losing record teams that get a bowl game against the Bowling Green Falcons. They're seven and five on the season. I'm going to take the Big Ten team here. I'm going to go with P.J. Flex rowing that boat. I'm going to say that they play tougher competition getting to five and seven than Bowling Green did getting to seven and five. Uh, give me the Gophers. Same here, buddy. I picked them to win. They got third-string quarterback Cole Kramer. I think he's going to outplay the second-string Terion Stewart at Bowling Green. Also on Tuesday, the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, Rice versus Texas State. The Owls of Rice are six and six. Texas State Bobcats, they sit at seven and five. I don't know anything about either one of these besides they both have terrible logos. I'm gonna go with the line. Everybody, 83% of America's picking Texas State. Why not? I'm going with Texas State. So I'm going to go with Rice on this one, but there's a reason why Christian McCaffrey's brother, Luke McCaffrey, is the star for Rice. This is a guy who continuously gets 100 all-purpose yards. I look for him to have a big game. And, I mean, when Christian McCaffrey's brother's playing and you come from that stock, it's going to be a big game. Other than a Manning brother, who name another, name another brother running back that's ever been good. See, I tripped you when I said them back because you were straight going to go J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, weren't you? Well, I, I, I was going to – I would have just said brother. Yeah, I was going, you know, but Rondé Barber played defensive back, right? To Tiki Barber, right? Yep. So I, I was going that way initially, but uh, it's a tough one, buddy. I mean, you could say currently Travis Etienne that plays for the Jaguars and Trevor yeah. Etienne that plays for, I guess, Georgia. 
good now. Uh, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is all brothers aren't created equal. <laughs> and and what I'm saying that is is that's why he's at Rice. Uh, I was going to make like a uh, uh, was spaghetti not an option? Is that why you're Rice? So, but anyway. Um, that's that's a carb thing that's because i haven't had some in a while but anyway uh next is the guaranteed rate bowl uh unlv versus kansas the the unlv rebels uh, university of nevada las vegas for those who don't know what that means and then the kansas jayhawks unlv nine and four on the season kansas eight and four on the season uh, looks like the line's leaning toward kansas I don't disagree with that. And again, it goes back to the very same reason I picked Minnesota. Their eight and four is more impressive than UNLV's nine and four. Yeah, I took Kansas as well, covering win. UNLV lost 44 to 20 in the bowl championship to Boise State. So I look for them to cover and win this game. All right. Next one Military Bowl, two lane, the green wave, 11 and two on the season. Take on Virginia Tech, the Hokies, six and six on the season. All eyes, all lean, heads to two lane. I'm, I'm going to roll with them. The green wave, dirty water. That's what I'm going with. I'm taking Virginia Tech to cover and win in this one. Michael Pratt, the quarterback, is gone, and the receivers are gone from the two lane offense. So I'm going to go with Virginia Tech to cover and win in this one. Sounds good. The Duke's Mayo Bowl, where the winning coach gets mayonnaise poured on him. This is maybe the grossest bowl in in the season. West Virginia, the Mountaineers, eight and four on the season. Take on Mac Brown in the North Carolina Tar Heels, eight and four as well. A little bit of a split decision here. Uh, I'm going to go with North Carolina just because the game is being played in the state of North Carolina. It's played at the I don't know. I don't even know what it's. Bank of America Stadium, I think, is what it is. Uh, the the Carolina Panthers Stadium. So I'm taking Carolina in Carolina. As much and as Mac Brown. Told as you, much it's as a reason. Mac Brown. It is. It's a good reason. As much as Mac Brown would love to have mayonnaise poured over his head, it's just not going to happen. I took West Virginia to win and cover. Mac Brown can't win ball games. Um, and they've had some major turnover issues late in the season. Player opt-out, Drake May, that was the guy I talked about earlier from North Carolina. He's arguably the NFL franchisee select quarterback from North Carolina. Without him and that offense and the other opt-outs at receiver, I look for West Virginia to win this ballgame. Yeah, uh, Coach um, Jabari Davis, Train Davis, however you know him, Juice, uh, he made a comment earlier today, and it's absolutely true. He said the transfer portal has ruined national signing day and bowl games. Oh, it has. You can't look forward to either one of them. The next bowl game is the direct TV holiday bowl. Go ahead. Yeah, Wayne, just to, you know, just to build off that briefly is I think the big uh, opt out for bowl game, Carson Beck being up for debate, whether or not he's going to play in that bowl game just because it's not a national championship game. Uh, to me, uh, to me, that right there tells you that there's a problem with bowl games. Um, if So he, he actually came out, I think, late last night and said we're going to run it back one more year. So I think he's going to play in the bowl game. Okay. Yeah. Which is good. I think it makes for, uh, makes for a good bowl game. <laughs> but but even for that the to next, happen uh, – 
even for that to happen, I think that 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 tells us that there's a problem with bowl games. When you when you miss the national championship, but you're a top five ranked team in the country, and you're you're the starting quarterback, and you may not play with your football team in a bowl game. Yeah, to me, in the world of NIL, and I've said this early and often, and I'll, I'll say it at any opportunity I have to say it, if I'm paying you to play, if there's an NIL deal, if the football's on the grass, I expect you to be there. There you go. That's the way I look at it. Uh, the DirecTV Holiday Bowl, the USC Trojans and the Louisville Cardinals, USC a 7-5 and five season with a an incumbent Heisman Trophy winner. Uh Lincoln Riley's going to have to answer for this the entire offseason. Can he at least put something on top of this with a, a bowl victory? Louisville, the uh, the heir apparent or the 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 son returning home in Jeff Brom has taken them to a 15th ranking in the country, 10 and 3 season. To me, I'm actually thinking about changing my pick. I originally had Southern Cal as kind of an upset pick, but to me, with opt-outs and different things. Jeff Brom, his, I always go back to that XFL interview. If you remember that one, am I breathing? Well, then, yeah, I'm going to play. To me, Jeff Brom in Louisville, they've just got more to more to play for right here. Lincoln Riley, it's a Band-Aid game for, uh, for Jeff Brom, 11 wins. It's a, a catapult into a, a next year. Yeah, I took the same. I took Louisville to win. And you mentioned the opt-outs, Caleb Williams, Marshawn Lloyd, Brendan Rice. I mean, who's playing in this game for Southern Cal? I look for uh, Brom to, to win and cover. The last bowl game we'll, we'll pick here tonight, Tax Act Texas Bowl. It's Oklahoma State, number 20th ranked team in the country, 9-4 and four here in, in 23. And then the Texas A&M Aggies, 7-5. and five. Uh, Again, the, uh, the less-than-stellar exit of – Jimbo Fisher, Mike Elko's the new coach, but will not coach this bowl game. To me, this is a this is the walking wounded. If you're Texas A&M, uh, two years ago, the highest paid recruiting class and the number one recruiting class in the country. I would say less than ten of those players will actually suit up this for this bowl game. Give me the mullet. Give me Oklahoma State uh, to win this one and cover. I like it. I'm taking the mullet as well, buddy. I mean. You, you talked about the Jimbo Fisher absence, absence on the sidelines, but uh, without having an I Smith at wide receiver and, and other opt-outs to follow, surely uh, I don't look for Texas A&M to, uh, to cover or to win this game. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. But uh, like I said, that's, uh, that's just picking through the 27th, which means we will have to have another podcast by next Wednesday so that we can pick through the new year and probably finish off uh, the bowl game pickems for the year. Went about an hour and 15 long today, uh, but kind of expected that, getting back in the saddle a little bit, uh, getting back on track with the podcast. I hope Hope people have stuck around for for the duration of this deal. Uh, we're not we're not really ever going to break news on this podcast, and if that if that deters you, we appreciate it. But uh, <laughs> go find another podcast. But uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be talk from the cheap seats. We're gonna be what everybody talks about at the water cooler, or as we do in our rolly chairs next to each other, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna put it out there. Uh, that that really there's a perspective that we feel like we have that in some ways is is mainstream or at least the the good majority of the the fan base but some of it's not 
and and we feel like we we have a good opportunity to share that. Uh, so, uh, and to recap, uh, good good signing day class. Would I call it great? No. But again, I'm not the I'm not the guy with the controller in my hands. That's Josh Heupel. He seems to like it, so I'm going to like it too. That's how I feel about recruiting in the NIL world. Uh, it's kind of like voting, I think, right now. If uh, if you don't like the results, you got a, an opportunity to donate and and make your your voice heard that way, uh, so that we can afford to get get more players. If that's the case, uh, so if you don't like what we got throw an extra five or 10 in the offering plate when it comes around the next time. So, uh, and then in the bowl games, like, uh, like juice said, like coach, uh, coach Jabari said with the opt outs, uh, with the declare for the NFL draft for the transfer portal, I, I watch the bowl games just to see what, you know, what the future of these teams look like. Cause we're getting a, we're getting a, a jump start on what next year is going to look like. Cause a bunch of players opt out. Yeah, and for all you fans that are listening, uh, me and Wayne talked about it. We drank that orange Kool-Aid, too. Uh, you know, we drank a lot of it that 10-2 and two season. We still continue to drink it. Um, I think it's a matter of perspective, and we've given a couple analogies throughout this broadcast today. I'm going to leave you with another one that you I want you to think about. And again, I know it's a condiment. I, I use condiments frequently. But uh, the number one hot sauce, the number one hot sauce, best-selling hot sauce, Tabasco. Okay. There are three ingredients in Tabasco. You got the cayenne pepper, you got the distilled vinegar, and you got water. And by gosh, everybody buys it and everybody eats it. And and that's what Josh Heupel is doing. So we don't need to, we, we need to look at what we're keeping, what we're getting with these 21, these, these commitments. And, and you know what, next year when the national championship game is over and that coach is hoisting the trophy, Let's hope it's our guy. Uh, and, and it could be. He could be piecing together what he thinks will be successful uh, to, to win a championship. So Tabasco this week, Wayne. I want everybody to be thinking about Tabasco. So Tabasco is Ben's, uh, Ben's kind of catchphrase. Mine's going to be a little pitchy. As uh, I'm going to say, if you like what you've you've watched, obviously follow us on social media, Facebook, The Grind on Sports. And because Twitter has a, uh, a character limit, it's the Grind O Sports. Uh, you can search us either place or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, which if you're watching it, you're already there. Just hit that subscribe button. But uh, since Ben wanted to talk about condiments, until we reach again, reach out again next week, uh, keep it between the mustard and the mayonnaise. But uh, as always, take care and grind on.